Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 3, he praised God and said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There are many blessings that we receive from God through Jesus. In fact, there's not one that's not found in Him, and that's stated in that passage. All spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Many blessings and promises God's given to his children, and yet sadly sometimes we as God's children fail to take advantage of all that God is willing to do for us. And I'm convinced that there's so much more that we can gain spiritually. I'm convinced that there's so much more that we can accomplish as God's people and his service if we'd only take advantage of the things that God has put at our disposal. And as announced this morning, I want us to look at, I think, one of the most blessed things that we have been afforded in, in, through Jesus, and that is uh, prayer. And I want to talk to you about the power of prayer. There is power in prayer. And yet I believe prayer is one of the most misused and unused blessings that God has provided us with. We need to realize what we can accomplish if we will put to work this great heavenly privilege like we ought to. I don't know how much you pray, but as I look at my life, I know I need to pray more. I, there's None of us can say, I don't think this person would raise their hand and say that they pray enough. We need to pray more. And we need to think about just how powerful prayer is. And some of the lessons that I'm hoping to prepare uh, in weeks to come, I want us to just look at prayer and what is prayer and, and break it down to what God says to us about prayer. But I don't want to center on uh, a passage in James chapter 5, a very important inspired statement concerning prayer that we all need to take to heart. When James says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Notice that the effective, and some verse say the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, accomplish much. I want you to notice this phrase, can accomplish. There's one word in the original that is translated there, can accomplish. It's a word, Reiniger and Rogers in their linguistic key to the Greek New Testament says this word means to be strong, to be powerful, to have power, to be competent, to be able. And he's applying that to prayer. Prayer of a righteous man gives you the strength, the power, enables you to be able to do what you need to do, to accomplish what you need to accomplish. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. It's the very same word in the familiar passage, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Same word. Can do. Paul says, I am able to be strong. I have the power to accomplish what I need to accomplish. I am confident. I am able because of the power of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. I can do all things. I can do 
all things through Christ who strengthens me. And James is applying that to prayer. The effective prayer of a righteous man. By it we can accomplish much. The simple English New Testament says it this way. When a person is right with God, the power of his sincere prayer is tremendous. I think that's a good translation. When a person is right with God, that's a righteous person, isn't it? When he's right with God, the power of his sincere prayer is tremendous. Do we realize the power in prayer? It can accomplish much. Ask yourself, what are you accomplishing in your life? You ever sit down and think about that? We all need to take time to think about what we're accomplishing. And really, as Christians, we need to think about what we're accomplishing spiritually. As we said, there's no doubt that we can accomplish more in the Lord's service if we would take advantage of the great, powerful blessings that God has put at our disposal. And we're considering tonight the power of prayer. What is it that you want to accomplish spiritually in your life? You may be a young person in school. You may be a person that's just gotten out of college. You may be a a person who's just started a family. It may be that you've been a Christian for many years. We've got people in all that spectrum tonight in our audience. But you ask yourself, what are you accomplishing spiritually? What do you want to accomplish? You know, if you ever wonder why you're not as strong spiritually maybe as you'd like to be, or maybe you're not accomplishing for the Lord all that you want to accomplish. Maybe you're not teaching and converting people like you'd want to. It very well may be that one of the reasons is that we're lacking in prayer, effective, fervent prayer. There's power in prayer. And through it we can accomplish much. We, We just sang the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Do we spend much time in prayer? Sweet hour of prayer. It's easy to sing that. And then fold up the idea of prayer in the songbook and and leave and not go out and pray very much during the week. Sweet hour of prayer. How how many people say they spend an hour of prayer a day to the Lord? How many people can say that they spend 30 minutes in prayer to the Lord? How many can say they spend 15 minutes a day in prayer to the Lord. I was surprised to, to read a statistic that said that the average religious person spends about seven minutes a day in prayer to God. Seven minutes. That's not a lot of time. Is it? Seven minutes of prayer to God. You know, some people pray to God when they want something. Sometimes we pray to God when we need something. A lot of folks treat God like a genie in a bottle. Or a 911 operator. You know, when we want something, you know, rubbing on that lamp, then we're, we're, we're praying to God, treating like a genie in the bottle, wanting our wish to come true. Or in a state of an emergency, and certainly when there's any type of emergency, we shouldn't want to go to God in prayer. But that should not be the only time that we go to God in prayer. Some people, they never call 911 until there's an emergency, you know, and some people never pray to God unless they're really needing something desperate right now. That's the way they treat God. But certainly we as Christians should use prayer in a very different way. We're to be praying people. And yet, I think many of us will admit that 
at least to some degree in our lives, that prayer is something that's lacking. And there seems to be a hunger for lessons on prayer, uh, the importance of prayer and how to pray and what to pray. I know in going in gospel meetings and discussions with people, a lot of times this, this, this very thing comes up. It's one of the things that calls me to think about these things. And yet the scriptures are full of answers on these things concerning prayer. When you look at James chapter 5, verse 16 here, it says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's also important to notice. It can and it will if we put it to work in our lives. You remember, it's not been long since we studied the book of James. You remember James is a very practical book. And James is emphasizing the necessity of working and doing. You remember all through there, he talked, you, you can't just talk about it. you gotta, you got to do it. you got to work. You remember back in chapter 1, verse 22, he urges us not only to be hearers of the word, but what? An effectual doer of the word. You can't just hear it. You can't just preach it. You gotta try to live it. You gotta do it. You remember chapter 2 in verse 26? He says that just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works. You know, faith, but you don't put it to work, nothing's gonna be any good. He said it's dead being alone. So we gotta put it to work. And here he's talking about prayer being a powerful thing when it's put to use. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Can implies ability, but it's conditional upon us putting our faith to work, using what we've been empowered to do. And there's power in prayer. You know, I can believe that there's power in prayer. I can believe that this powerful thing, I can believe that God hears the prayer of his children and is able to answer but if all I do is believe that and put faith to work by praying effectually, fervently, praying to God, then this great powerful blessing that God has afforded us becomes something that is useless in our lives. James here, as he said, is speaking of a righteous man. That's just another way as the translation here, the simple English, when a person's right with God, that's, that's what a righteous person is, and somebody that's right with God. But you look back at passages like Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, There are none that are righteous, no, not one. How does anybody ever get their prayer heard? How does prayer ever effectual if none of us are righteous? Because he says the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. We understand there is none that are righteous, no, not one. There's never been but one righteous man, that was Jesus. Only one completely righteous man. But because he came and died for us through his blood, we're able to be counted as righteous. Our sins, our dead are wiped away and it's put down to our account that we're righteous. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. You know, after uh, verse 3, as we read at the beginning of our lesson, all spiritual blessings found in Jesus Christ. And verse 7, it says, Through him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses his blood through Jesus we're able to be righteous back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21 God the Father made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the what the righteousness of God in him Jesus died 
He was completely righteous. He was the perfect sacrifice. And therefore, by his propitiation, his appeasement, we are able to be counted as righteous through his blood. And so if I'm striving to live faithfully unto the Lord through his mercy and grace, found in Jesus Christ and his blood, I can be a righteous person. And a righteous person who will pray like he ought to pray can accomplish great things. Now the Lord's not going to hear sinners. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous, it says. Even the blind man, John 9, knew enough to tell the Jewish leaders that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone's God-fearing and does his will, God hears him. God hears the righteous. And any righteous man is going to be a man of prayer. I want us to see tonight that there is power in prayer, not only in this statement, but I want to see it through three other things. Number one, we can see it in the example of Jesus. That there's power in prayer. Any righteous man is going to be a man of prayer. Jesus, we said, was a completely righteous man. And he was that when he came here, he was a man. He was God. But he came to this earth and took on flesh. And yet as a man, Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus was not an angel in disguise, as the Jehovah's Witness teach. He did not just some vision of something or some made-up mystical character as others would have us to believe. Jesus was God. He came in the flesh. He lived as a man to set the perfect example. He created the heavens and the earth that he walked on. He had given life to mankind, which he then dwelt among. He took upon the form of a bondservant, lived in the ordinary circumstances in life as a carpenter's son, and though he was God in that life as a man, he spoke to the Father like you and I speak to him, and that's through prayer. He was God, and yet he never used the power of God for himself. He showed the power of God and the things that he taught and the things that he accomplished, the miracles that he wrought. But for himself, he never used it. So that he set the perfect example for you and for me. And when he talked to God the Father, he talked to God the Father just like you and I. Jesus didn't have a hotline to heaven. When he spoke to the Father, he talked to the Father just like any other man has to speak to the Father. And that's through prayer. And Jesus spent much of his time here on earth speaking to the Father in prayer. And what power we see in that great example. You know, the fact that there's an interest in teaching on prayer is not new. In Luke, the 11th chapter, in verse 12, the apostles came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They asked Jesus that, I think, because they saw something different in Jesus and his prayer life. As far as we know, the disciples never did come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to be great preachers. They never came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to be eloquent or teach us to be great personal workers. But they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I believe these Jewish men had been taught to pray ever since they were just little children. Very early age they'd been taught to pray. Three times a day they prayed. 
But they saw something different in Jesus' life, didn't they? They saw something in his prayer life. They saw power that he derived from prayer and the influence that it had had on his life and those around him. And they wanted to know something about this. They wanted to know about his kind of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. They knew he wasn't praying just to be a good example. They knew that it made a difference in his life and they wanted that difference in their life. Lord, teach us to pray. We need to look at Jesus and we need to say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, we're praying people. I believe everybody in here prays. But when we look at Jesus, are we praying like that? We need to say, Lord, teach us to pray. They looked at his life and they saw that the Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And they wanted that in their life. You know, one of the greatest, the greatest person who ever lived. The greatest impact on the world, the greatest person who ever lived, had more influence on the world in the three and a half years that he lived and all the inventors and the military heroes and kings and presidents have made collectively through time. And he spent much of his time in prayer to the Father. You know, the first thing he did when he came up out of the waters of baptism his words were in the form of prayer. And the last thing that he did in his life before he gave up the Spirit was pray to the Father. And all in between he prayed. Does that tell you something? Does that tell you something about the power of prayer? In Luke chapter 9 and verse 18, we read that he went out to a lonely place and he prayed. In Luke 6 and verse 12, he went out and spent a whole night, a whole night in prayer to God. In Matthew, or Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, he got up before the light of day and he went out to a lonely place. Are you listening to me? He went out and he prayed. He went out and he prayed. Luke 5, at the peak of his popularity. When his crowd and the multitudes would press around him and they wanted to hear him and they wanted to be healed by him, verse 16, he would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. You know, sometimes people think they're too busy to pray. I don't have time to pray like that. I'll tell you, friend, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. If I'm too busy to take time to use one of the greatest powers that God has put to my disposal, then I am too busy. What are we, we say, what are we accomplishing? The prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. I'm a, what am I accomplishing by my busy schedule and all the things that I do? I know that we're, we live in a busy time. We, there's all kinds of things that we've got to do. We, we, we run to work and we go to school. We run them here and we run them there. And we're all doing all this. But what are we accomplishing spiritually? He said the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And no matter what I accomplish by my busy schedule here on earth, it matters nothing if I've not accomplished something spiritually for the Lord. And the only way I can accomplish that is follow the example of Jesus. And Jesus was a righteous man who spent much of his time in prayer to the Father. 
And that tells me that if we're going to accomplish anything, we're going to have to spend some time in prayer to God. I'll tell you, Jesus was a busy person. You think he's busy? <laughs> there was times, as you look at Luke chapter 6, he didn't find time to sleep, it says. When you look, you look at Mark 3, you can look at John 4, and in both of those passages you see that there was time that Jesus didn't have time to eat. I'll tell you, we're busy. We find time most of the time. We find time to sleep and eat, though. Jesus was a busy person. But never was there was a time that he was too busy to pray. As a man, Jesus was a righteous, praying person. And certainly he accomplished much. And oh, how we need to follow his example. I know I do. When you look at your life, do you realize that you need to be more like Jesus? Even in your prayer. That's one of the things that and we'll talk more about this in some of the lessons to come, but power of prayer can be seen in the example of Jesus. And it can also be seen in just the fact that God desires us and commands us to pray to him. You think about the fact that there is power in prayer because God desires you to pray to him. You know, God is addressed by a lot of different titles. And there's a huge list of them. He's called the Father. He's called our shield. He's called the tower of our, our strength. He's, uh, he's called the fortress. He's, He's called uh, the creator. He's called the deliverer. And then the list goes on and on and on to the things that God is to us, the titles that are given to him. But I tell you, out of all the titles that are ascribed to the Lord, the one that was read to us by Brother Raider tonight is one of the greatest. Did you catch that? Psalm 65. Look at verse 2. Look at Psalm 65. We can be most thankful that our God is ascribed as O thou who dost hear prayer to thee all men come. We can be so thankful that God hears us and wants to hear us. It's always been an amazing thing to me that as lowly and as frail as we are compared to the great creator of the universe, like David said, who is man that thou dost take thought of him? We are nothing compared to God. Just a small part of his creation. And it is massive, extensive beyond our imagination. And yet he's concerned about me, not just man in general, but me individually. You individually. God knows you, knows the hairs on your head, knows everything, knows you intimately. And desires you to talk to him in prayer. That alone ought to tell us that there's power in prayer that we need to take advantage of. Oh, thou who answers prayer, to thee all men come. What's more amazing, the only thing that could be more amazing than, than God wanting to hear us and be in fellowship with us and us to come and make our request known to him is for us to know that and to believe that and sing about it and then not put it to use. Now, that is an amazing thing. 
We have a powerful God and he wants us to pray to him. He tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. God wants you to pray to him. And it's even more mind-boggling to think that God wants you to pray to him about everything. He's in everything by prayer. It's not that some things you can tell me God. He said, I want you to pray to me about everything. And he wants us to pray not just about once a year. You have to make an appointment and, you know, wait your turn. God wants you to pray about everything and he wants you to pray all the time. And then what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, to pray without ceasing. And that's not saying that Christians go around uh, just mumbling a, a prayer on their lips all the time. But it is saying that, that Christians ought to use every opportunity that they have to talk to their Heavenly Father. Every opportunity. We, we look to God in all situations of life in prayer. It ought to be a natural thing to us. Is that the way prayer is in your life? That's what I want to emphasize. Prayer ought to be just natural to us. Every opportunity that I have to talk to the Father. If I wake up in the middle of the night, it ought to be a natural thing to pray. David did. We talked about him this morning, man of God's own heart. You look over at Psalm 63 and verse 3. David said that he remembered the Lord on his bed and he meditated on the Lord in the night watches. You wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes you do that. You, know, you can't sleep. We call it getting the big eye. You know what? what? You just can't sleep. I'll be a natural thing to talk to the Father. When I wake up in the morning, I should give thanks to the Lord for the blessing of another day. When I'm driving to work, I should pray to be able to overcome temptations of the day. Use the opportunities that I have to, to speak to someone about Jesus. Have the wisdom to be able to say the right things in the right way. And even when I'm at work, I, I can pray. Working alone quietly, I can offer prayer to God. You know, there's times, and we'll talk more about this in our lessons to come, there's times where you, you go and, and to your lonesome and you, you, you pray about a lot of things. You've got time to think and to meditate and to pray to God. But there's, there's also times, that, uh, I was talking to Tim about this, where you, know, you might call them Arab prayers. I heard one fellow call them, you know. Prayers that, you know, that you make that are short prayers. That you make to God. I think one of the places that, that I saw this and emphasized this to me is in the book of Nehemiah. Look over at Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2. You remember Nehemiah, the cupbearer for the king of Xerxes, and you got news about how the walls in Jerusalem uh, were destroyed and still uh, were in bad shape, not been built back up even though the people uh, had, had gone back and he was disturbed because of this news and you remember he was there before the king and it's, it's not a good thing to, to not be before the king like you should be <laughs> he had the power to say you know what's wrong with you if you can't act like you ought to before me get him out of here execute him you could say that kings in that day were that ruthless you remember he was in the, his presence and he was sad in the presence of the king. In verse 2 said, the king said to me, why is your face, uh, why is your face sad, though you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. 
He says, then I was very much afraid. And he had reason to be afraid of the king. I said, the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be set when the city, the place of my father's tomb, lie desolate? And the gates have been consumed by fire. Verse 4 says, the king said to me, what would you request? And notice it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king. <laughs> What's that tell you? That tells you, you know, sometimes there's need for prayer and that you can pray right then, right there, on the moment. He says, what is it that you request? And he said, I prayed to God. I don't think he said, excuse me, I, I go over here and, and my room and, and prayed and he came back. No, in his mind, that was one of those air prayers, wasn't it? He prayed to God. He said, what do you request? He said, I prayed to God and then I said. But before he spoke, he realized the power of prayer in him. Lord, grant this request. Help me to ask, say the right things the right way. Sometimes important prayers are short prayers. And it ought to be in the mind of a man of God, a woman of God, that when a time of need and a time of importance to say the right thing the right way, that before you open your mouth, you pray. Well, there's power in prayer. God's people need to realize that God instructs them to pray and wants them to pray, desires them to pray, and to that very fact that there's power in prayer. I want you to look over at Isaiah chapter 65. Here's a prophecy concerning the people of God. This is a prophecy concerning the church. This is talking about you and me. Isaiah 65 and verse 23. He says, For they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. It will also come to pass before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. The they in that passage is us. The they in that passage is the church. He says, They will call, and while they are still speaking, I'll hear. God's always done that for His people. He did it then, He'll do it now. I'll give you an example of that. Look back in Daniel. You remember Daniel was one of the first young men taken away in the captivity, in the Babylonian captivity. They were to be there according to the prophecies that were made, like Jeremiah. Uh, they were to be there for 70 years. When that time period came to an end, Daniel realized it. And you know what he started doing? Because of the promises of God, he started praying. He realized there was power in prayer. He realized there was power and the promises of God and he was praying to God and talking to God and requesting God that, that he forgive his people and that he fulfill his promises. And you go back to Daniel chapter 9 and we won't have time, of course, to read it all. But realize in this number of years in verse 2 uh, had been fulfilled according to the prophet Jeremiah. It says in verse 3, So I gave attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, and I prayed. I prayed to the Lord and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness to those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, rebelled. And he goes on. For most of that chapter, we have his prayer of him confessing the sins of the people. And praying to God to remember his promises.
But when you come down to verse 20, he's still praying in verse 19. Verse 20 says, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of the people of Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And he gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued. And I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Daniel started praying. And he's praying all along here. And we're, we're told that while he was still speaking, Gabriel, the angel of God, appears to him with a message. And Gabriel says, when you first started speaking, the command was issued. While he was still on earth praying, God had already heard him and had already issued for the angel to go and to make answer. Those passages are there for a reason, brethren. They're there to tell us that there is power in prayer and that God will hear us even while we are still speaking. He will accomplish His work. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And it will if we'll put it to work. And the very fact that God tells us to pray and desires our prayer and wants to answer us and will answer us even while we're yet speaking. Tells us that there's power. Finally, we can see that surely in the fact that the God who wants to hear our prayers is a powerful God. The power of, of God who answers prayer should tell us that we need to pray. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul says of God that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. I'll tell you, brethren, there's power in prayer. In fact, there's more power in prayer than we can imagine because God is more powerful and accomplished more things than we can even think about. We think about if we are a congregation of God's people in Coffee County, Tennessee. What do we want to accomplish in the Lord's service? I want to tell you how much more we can accomplish if we will apply this to our lives and pray like the Bible tells us to pray. We can't, I'll tell you, if the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much, what can be accomplished by a whole congregation of folks like that? Very much, wouldn't you think? God's able to do far beyond what we're able to think or know. I'm going to tell you, if God has the power to create this universe and sustain this universe, if God has the power to raise the dead and make them alive, if God has the power to forgive sin, would it not be foolish to think that there was a prayer that God could not answer? I want to make a statement here. I want you to listen to it. There is nothing that we can ask when we ask by faith that is in harmony with the will of God that God will not answer. Now I'll say that again. 
There is not one thing that you can pray for. Not one thing that you can ask that is asked by faith as according to the will of God that God will not do. Nothing. That's just God's law. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. God's laws are amazing. Even the fiscal laws are amazing. They're all consistent, aren't they? Look at the laws of thermodynamics. You look at all the laws, simple laws. What, what happens to water when you cool it down to 32 degrees? What happens to it? It freezes. How many times does it do that? <laughs> it does that every time. It's consistent. You cool water to 32 degrees, it freezes every time. That's just God's law. That's the way it is. There is not one thing that you can ask of God by faith that's according to his will that he will not do. That's just God's law. There may be some things that we ask that's not according to his will, but if it's according to his will, it will be done. And God says, I want you to pray to me. I want you to pray to me fervently. I want you to pray to me about everything. I want you to pray all the time. If we pray by faith and it's according to the will of God, it'll be done. That's just God's law. It's God's spiritual law. I think we find that in the New Testament. That anything we pray for that's by faith is according to the will of God, God will accomplish it. And we're going to talk about the fact that we have to be persistent in that. But so much more we can accomplish if we would just use prayer. Because God's powerful. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by thy outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. That's who we pray to. Nothing. That's the God who says, I want you to come make your request known unto me. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, All things are possible to him who believes. Now I want to look at this passage and we'll close with this. Look over at Mark you remember what the context is when Jesus made this statement in Mark 9, 23? All things are possible to him who believes. You remember he made that statement to a man who had brought his son to Jesus to be healed. In Mark 9, in verse 22, this man had come and he'd said to Jesus, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now can you imagine he brings his child to Jesus and he says, if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. Now notice what it says, if you can. Now there's no punctuation in the original. But I think the punctuation that ought to be there is not a comma or, or maybe even a question mark. If it's a question mark, maybe an exclamation mark. If you can, Jesus said. <laughs> if you can, all things are possible. To him who believes. is in effect Jesus is saying. You've got the if in the wrong place. It's not whether. I am compassionate enough. Or if I have the power. All things are possible. To him who believes. You just need to believe enough. To ask. I have the power. To do it. All things are possible. To him who believes, not because the power is in us, but because the power is in the one whom we talk to and whom we make the request. What a tremendous effect prayer will have in our lives if we will put it to use.
as Jesus did. God desires us to pray to him. He has the power to, to accomplish more of what we could ever dream about. And he wants us to pray. You know, in the model prayer, Jesus said to pray this way, Our Father who art in heaven. That's how we begin our prayer. You know, speaking to God as a Father. But you can't go to God. You can't make use of this if you're not a Christian. All blessings we said, including the blessing of prayer, is found in Christ. If you're here tonight and you're outside of Christ, then you don't have the spiritual blessing of prayer. This powerful blessing we've talked about is not accessible to you. But all things, all spiritual blessings are accessible to you through Jesus. You can't call God your father until you become his child. Then all things become accessible to you. As he said in Ephesians chapter 2, I think it's about verse 18, he talks about how we have access through Jesus Christ to the Father. So if you're here tonight and you've never become a Christian, you can. You can become a child of God, you can address God as your Father, and you can have this powerful blessing in your life to know that you can pray to Almighty God who has the power to answer any prayer that's asked by faith that's according to his will. If you're here tonight and you've not been living as you ought to, you need to correct things so that you can not be hindered by unrighteousness. It's the prayer of a righteous man that accomplishes much to be righteous. We have to come to the blood of Jesus Christ, seeking forgiveness, confessing our sins. If you're here tonight and need to make things right in any way, won't you come right now? I'll stand and sing the song.